everyone, welcome to the Flexing Physio Podcast. My name's Dan and I'm a physio currently based in Melbourne, Australia. This podcast is aimed for both students and new grads. In this podcast, there will be lots of fun banter and cool guests. Now, let's get into this episode. Big welcome to you guys, if this is your first time tuning in. Um, yeah, give you, giving you a virtual hug at the moment. I, feel, I hope you can feel my hug. Nads, you're back for another episode. Um, for the people who don't know who you are, give me like a 10-second introduction on who you are. Yeah, so um, I'm a physiotherapist. I work at a clinic called Head to Toe Physiotherapy and Podiatry in Muni Ponce. Yep. So um, I see a lot of musculoskeletal cases, um, a few sporting cases, a few vertigo cases as well. Um, but I'm a, quite a busy physio. So pretty much... Um, I was in a similar situation like everyone else was yeah. um, with um, walking into private practice and not knowing, okay, how do I actually do this? Okay, yeah. So um, picked up a lot of things along the way and just here to teach people about it. Yeah. Love it, man. And that's why, man, you get along so well is because we both have that passion and drive for helping students and new grads find their way. Exactly. Like we, we used to be in that exact same position. Yeah, like, not so long ago too. Not so long ago. So um, we get taught so many stuff that's really, really technical in uni, um, really technical even when you step outside of uni, but keeping it simple helps. And that's right. um, learning um, just a simple way to do things can go a really, really long way in making you a great clinician. And that's believe it. it or not, that's actually what the best clinicians in physio do. If they make the real complex stuff look easy. That's right. That's exactly right. And that's um. You, do you know who Eugene To is? No, I don't. Tell me a bit more. So he's a he's a PT. He's based here in Melbourne, and he's done heaps of research, heaps of um, studying ahead, and um, he's massive on Instagram. He does a lot of educational stuff, and one of his one of the reasons why I like him so much is because he gets the he gets the real complicated issues, and then dials it down i like to say dumb it down but dials it down to layman's terms so people like um the normal average human can can understand what what we're talking about yeah i think it i'm not too sure if it was einstein i think it was einstein who said this is if you can't explain something simply Mm. you don't know it well enough means you don't get it yeah exactly that's right so you have to be able to do things simply yeah Yeah. now nads i want to get to know you a little bit better i mean i only technically only met you a couple weeks ago on our little tinder date (laughs) yeah we still remember that still right up there and best tinder dates (laughs) (laughs) that's it mate cafe brunch Talk shop. It was awesome. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Sun was shining. It really wasn't. But yeah, it was like classic Melbourne. Though, classic Melbourne. Welcome to Melbourne. Here's a here's um, forty mils of rain. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. You did teach me how to jaywalk um, with confidence. Oh yeah. You you see me. I don't break a stride. Like done the calculations. Done the <laughs> the Pythagoras in the head. Saw the trams coming. Know when they're going to intersect. Just know when to cross a road without even looking side to side. That's and, it. And and you'll do fine here. Like. We, we were we were crossing a road together and I did that awkward like scurry. Yeah, that, 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 that double step. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I looked over at Ned's and he was just walking like, you know, Sunday walk in the park. And I was like, dude, hurry up. There's a truck coming. <laughs> and he's like, nah, man, I've done my calculations. We're good to go. Exactly. All the trigonometry is done. All the vectors are calculated. We're <laughs> off to go. <laughs> Mate, we're bloody geniuses. That's what we are. So, um, Ned's, tell me, do you have a favorite genre of movies? 
Whew, I do like fantasy movies. Fantasy? It's something that really immerses you. Yeah. Okay, so the Lord of the Rings stuff was really, sure. really um, up there for me. It just immerses you in a different world. Mm. Um, even away from movies, like the Game of Thrones stuff is awesome. Yeah, like, cool. A whole different world, a whole um, sort of storyline that is so deep and enriched. Yeah. It really gets me in there. Yeah, Sure, sure. Because um, my listeners would know, my long-time listeners, they'd know that I love movies. Like I bought a big ass TV, got a massive Samsung um, surround sound just so I can watch Lord of the Rings, you know? Yeah, exactly. You're investing in the right places. Yeah, That's don't it, don't mate. worry about investing in courses or anything like no. that. Just get that 80 inch TV. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> no. watching a shoulder course on that 80 inch TV, exactly, mate. Exactly, exactly. You'll be able to see every single fiber of the muscle. Imagine reading your ebook on that TV as well. Oh, yes. Another shameless plug. <laughs> so, yes, if you guys don't know, I am on the process of writing up an ebook. Hopefully, by the time this episode comes out the ebook is already published so it's designed to help new grads and students just feel more confident in private practice correct so this is the podcast as we're bringing it on its maiden voyage absolutely <laughs> yeah the, the title of the ebook is actually five things i wished someone told me before starting private practice i might need to refine that title a little bit it's a bit I Wordy? think it's more than five things as well, but uh, but yeah. five th- five things is a good w- place to start. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Nah, that's a- that's awesome. All right, Nets. Well, this episode we're gonna get stuck right into the nitty gritty, and we're gonna be talking about frozen shoulder, aka adhesive capsulitis, aka fifty year old shoulder. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> in Japan. That's what it's called in Japan and China. So no, I think it's called. The 50-year-old's shoulders. Exactly. <laughs> I can do that because I'm Chinese. Exactly. So. I won't try. <laughs> <laughs> you can do the Indian version. <laughs> Sorry, Sri Lankan version. Sri Lankan version. Yeah, so um, let's get stuck into the frozen shoulder. So what is frozen shoulder? So a frozen shoulder is pretty much a insidious stiffening of the shoulder capsule. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there is um, an insidious onset. There's not really a mechanism of injury with a lot of frozen shoulders, which causes a, it, the capsule to pretty much stiffen up, become really, really yeah. enclosed on the shoulder joint itself. Yep. It makes it really, really hard to move it. Um, yep. And people will come in and they'll be like, Nadina, my shoulder's getting really painful and I don't know why. Yep. Okay. Um, all of a sudden, putting my hand behind my back is getting painful. Um, I can't reach overhead. Um, it's that stiffening of that shoulder capsule that mm. is um, really, really drives it. So mm. in layman's terms, that's all it is. Okay? Yeah. So it, whether it's called adhesive capsulitis or the doctor's referral says frozen shoulder or yeah. whatever, it's just that tightening. Sure. Yeah. Um, I did do some bit of research before this potty and uh, I got a definition up and I'll just read it to you. So... Uh, primary frozen shoulder is a condition characterized by often severe shoulder pain and functional restriction in both AROM and PROM with unremarkable radiographs of the glenohumeral joint. Correct. And the most important thing out of that um, definition is the restriction in PROM. Yeah. Okay. True so, restriction in PROM. That's correct. what we're talking about. Eh? So you're really honing in on that. Um, so. That restriction in PROM is literally what makes the AROM worse. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. just think about that. Yeah. Is what's um, just from that definition you can tell that. And yeah, the hard thing is there's no definite cause. We know risk factors, but 
we don't know what really causes it to come on. Yeah, yeah. that's what makes us our job such a, such a big headache sometimes, eh? Yeah, exactly. Because people will say, "Oh, is there anything I could do to to prevent this?" Yeah. Or, um, "What did I do wrong that made this come on?" Yeah. And they're sometimes looking for those answers, and yeah. sometimes you got to tell them, "Look, you got a bunch of, sort of these risk factors that may have predisposed you have yep. this issue." But yeah, it's hard to tell them that. Well, there's no real known cause though. Yeah, that's right. And I often find when I get someone in my office, uh, sorry, in my treatment room that um, has got frozen shoulder, often it's they've had it for so long and they don't know what they've been to many practitioners. I'm like the fifth person they've spoken to. And um, also uh, quite often it's related to a lot of yellow flags, psychosocial factors. And quite often you're handing them the tissue box in, my, in, the, the, in the first five, 10 minutes of the conversation. Correct. And I think if we were in that situation, we'd have plenty of yellow flags as well. It's Absolutely. a horrible situation to be in, to um, have a stiffening of that shoulder, not being able to use it as much mm. as you, you can. And if that's your dominant hand as well. So yep. yeah, you're going to get anxious. You're going to get um, really fearful about it. And, depressed like it's really debilitating yeah. definitely so so um yeah um it seems like you see them later down the track this actually might be the difference between us is mm. i actually do see them when they're really fresh yeah okay really um sometimes i do see them acute i see them misdiagnosed yeah. as um rotator cuff pathologies sure. um as well sure. um and yeah it's um you can see them throughout the whole spectrum yeah and we also will talk you through the concept of what is a true frozen shoulder and what isn't that's right as well <laughs> on the topic of that radio uh sorry that rotator cuff is sometimes it, the frozen shoulder the cascade can be created from a small rotator cuff related injury correct so wrist fractures is um pretty much previous injury okay a recent injury um bone injury okay other risk factors can be diabetes yeah and um, people after motor vehicle accidents yep. as well um, all of that can definitely be a risk factor that can cause it to come on. Yeah. But um, what you can't definitely tell is, is it the rotator cuff pathology that's causing that frozen shoulder or is it because they've stopped moving their arm as much mm. that's caused that frozen yeah. shoulder to come on first? So is it the chicken or the egg? Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. The, and that's why they've just said like, yeah, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what exactly yeah. there there was a study done i think in australia 82 percent of people with the diagnosis of frozen shoulder 82 percent of them were obese so yeah. the the idea of you know fat cells are inflammatory cells correct inflammatory cells exactly so you know sucks to say it but if you're fat that's a risk factor for um, uh, frozen shoulder. It's a risk factor for more than frozen shoulder <laughs> as well. Right. We yep. That could be a whole other <laughs> can of worms too. That's but right. another thing to lose weight, you can get a frozen shoulder. You can get diabetes that's causing the frozen shoulder. But it'd be interesting to see if we did that obese population have a high incidence of frozen uh, of um, diabetes as well. Yeah, Who that's knows? exactly right. Probably. Correct. I think using just basic knowledge i'd say so yeah you can extrapolate from there but mm. all these bubbles open up <laughs> that's it look at us mate we should be a latrobe in the research department <laughs> exactly <laughs> we get fired day one from oh, just talking no, crap no, no. We, we we would definitely yeah we'd definitely get fired <laughs> we would, we, yeah so too think, many jokes <laughs> too many jokes um i think what you talked about before about the thickening is that especially this thickening over that coraco humeral ligament and also the joint capsule and the entire synovial membrane just becomes this thick i often describe it as someone's injected glue into your shoulder joint 
Correct. And it's just really sticky. And I like to use that analogy because it doesn't necessarily create a fear. Because when you say that you've got glue injected into your joint, quite naturally, the first thing you want to do is move it to unglue it, to unstick it. Exactly. So whatever, if I said to the person, your shoulder is really inflamed and it's like really, really um, yeah, inflamed, it's full of inflammation... I don't, that's probably going to create some fear around movement. Yeah, language is, is powerful. So you yes. want to promote what the treatment method, methodology is going to be. Yep. Okay, we know that's going to be exercise, mobilization. Yep. And um, if you can portray it in a way that promotes that, that's yep. always going to be um, in the patient's and your best interest, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So let's get stuck into the subjective interview part. Um, I'll just start off by saying, let the person talk. <laughs> Correct. We were talking about this before as well. Is the moment a person walks in, um, for most private practices, I'd say around ninety to ninety-five percent of people, they've already rehearsed what they're going to tell you in okay? front of a mirror, naked. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So they've already know what they're going to tell you. Just let them talk. Don't say a word within the first two minutes. Okay. While they're talking, just take down, just type away or write down what they're saying. Okay. Mm. Don't say mm-hmm or yes, um, of course, or something like that. No, just mm. keep your mouth shut and just let them talk. They will tell you a lot of information of what's going on. And for most people, they will give you a lot of your answers. And then from there, you just backtrack. And pretty much what happens is you just fill in the gaps that mm. they didn't ask, okay? They, they didn't answer. For didn't example, if they didn't talk about easing factors, then you ask them, okay, is there anything that helps reduce your pain? Something yep. like that. Yep. Um, there is obviously that cohort of patient that needs to be uh, funneled back in because they back, yeah. can go off on a tangent. That's, why, that's when it's appropriate to interrupt provide a closed-ended question mm. um, to bring them back, okay? And then up to you if you want to follow up by with another closed or an open-ended question mm-hmm. if they, you feel they're back on track, yeah. okay? So, yeah, let them talk. Funnel them back in if need be, if mm. they're not staying on topic or, or they're going off on a tangent. Yeah. Uh, but for 90 to 95% of people, I'll just say in the first two minutes, I don't think you should say a thing. Yeah. Um, That's right. And then um, a good tip that I said as well is after they've finished talking, just uh, just ask them, um, is there anything else that you want to tell me Yeah. Um, about sure. your issue? And then again, it just gets them thinking a little bit more. Yeah. And, mo- and by then, within the first uh, two to three minutes, most of your subjective is actually already they're done. Just t- they're just doing <laughs> the hard work for you. Exactly. How good is that? And you kind of have to say a word. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it takes, um, takes the stress out of it. And I think as a new grad too, um, you guys are all really good at doing subjective interviews as in you know exactly what questions to ask you know them like the back of your hand or being drilled into you from uni or the placement days you know spending those endless nights trying to just review okay current history past medical history eggs eases it's like you, you can almost get a tattooed on you exactly but sometimes in real life it's completely different you don't have to list off every single subjective question let them talk as well as Nads was talking about before let the person speak and just shut the heck up exactly Exactly. Or else you could just give them a checklist beforehand and get mm. them to write it out for you because there's no, because it, it's just a list of questions. Let them answer it. Okay. Yeah. And then you ask the follow ups as required. Okay. Let them talk. Um, that's the main thing for them. Don't, um, you know, the list of questions off by heart. Yeah. Um, but that's not the point, okay? You don't want to be robotic and just go through each and every step, okay? But yep. patient can tell that it's a very um, robotic sort mm. of um, uh, 
not a personalized approach. A yeah. personalized approach is actually letting them talk. And when they're talking, listen. Actually mm. listen. Active listening. Don't Active just listening. look like you're listening. Correct, yeah. okay? So actually take in what they're saying, okay? Mm-hmm. And start thinking about what is what they're saying. What does it actually mean for mm-hmm. the condition? What does it mean for the treatment? Mm. That's what you need to think. What Whatever's easing it, okay, is probably what you're going to do for your treatment, okay? Whatever's aggravating it, the opposite of that is what you're going to do for your treatment. <laughs> yeah, okay? that's right. It's as simple as that. What <laughs> what activities are challenging? Those are the activities you're going to modify for them. Yeah. Okay, so um, a lot of that, they'll already tell you. As exactly. I said, they've rehearsed before they've come in. Yeah. All right, so just let them talk. Yep. No, that's a good way to think about it. And it's something I don't think about because I recently went to see a podiatrist. Um, I had this ingrown toenail. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> this is the first time I've gone to see an allied health professional because I've been otherwise healthy. Um, so I haven't had to go see anyone. But I was doing the same thing. I was rehearsing. I was, I was, you know, just before I was going to sleep, I was, I was saying to myself, okay, what do I need to tell the podiatrist tomorrow? I'd be like A, B, C, and D. So, you know, quite naturally, a, a patient, normal layman's patient would do the same. Yeah, just think about whenever you, um, any of you guys have gone to see a doctor. Yeah. You've already rehearsed what you're going to say. Yeah, so <laughs> nervous when, when I see the doctor. <laughs> you don't you don't pop up and you just make it up on the spot. No, you've actually thought, thought like, about this it. is exactly what I want to say, okay? Yeah. And in an allied health session, is we got more time than the doctors do. So yeah. we can give the person the time to talk about their issue. Yep. Let them actually get it out of their system because they want to really tell someone who understands. Yep, yep. And we are the people are for understanding yeah okay people sure. love us okay like they <laughs> they love us because we understand no we're questions speaking. around it yeah they like <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's 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 all x's and o's at our clinic okay <laughs> like it's all x's and o's no it's it is people love us because we understand them we take the time to understand them we listen we don't cut them short yes um and we can really get them on board because of the level of empathy that we have that's why people who get into healthcare get into healthcare because we have a really high level of empathy and understanding yeah. for people yeah and also a high burnout rate too so but that, <laughs> that's a whole nother can uh, of worms that's a whole other can of worms we'll get into that one day that's another potty episode a hundred percent hundred percent all right so i've got eight things here that someone with frozen shoulder will tell you okay mm-hmm. so number one they'll have a strong component of night pain Number two, there will be a marked increase in pain with rapid or unguarded movements. Number three, they will be uncomfortable to lie on the affected shoulder. Number four, pain will be easily aggravated by movement. Number five, the onset of pain usually above 35 years old. Number six, on exam, there will be a global loss in active range of motion and uh, passive range of motion. Number seven, there will be pain at end of range in all directions and number eight the last one is that there will be a global loss in passive range of motion correct so a lot of those characteristics are definitely going to be there so they're going to be very painful they're going to be very angry Mm. but it comes down to that definition that you said before all of this is arising from one thing and one thing only yeah a loss of passive range yeah okay imagine if you lose passive range of motion and you can only go 40 degrees um in either way of flexion abduction or extension mm. just think about that would be painful to lie on for sure okay obviously a lot of the, your arm movements are going to be painful in a lot of different directions as a result mm. um you're going to get night pain definitely because that's that's a severe loss of motion to look yeah. to 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 sleep with 100%. so it always comes down to that passive range, um, I find, with um, frozen shoulders. And that's what we're going to harp on about in assessment and all that as well. For is, sure. 
that stiffening and that loss of passive range is key mm. to your assessment, your treatment, and pretty much everything that comes after that. And if I was to add on to that, I think the main thing as well with uh, frozen shoulders, it's the two the two subjective keys that really tell me, okay, I'm looking at maybe a frozen shoulder here, is whenever someone says, it's Nadina, it's starting to um, be painful or more stiff, put getting my hand behind my back yeah that, that loss that's on. a biggie so out of all the subjective cues that's one is the clinician you're just starting to oh, okay that's a that's that's sounding like a frozen shoulder yeah or it's increasingly getting hard to put my hand above my head yeah um and then you're looking for subjective cues that um suggest a level of stiffness in mm-hmm. there as well mm-hmm. so is if there is a level of stiffness in there, they will say, oh, for some reason, it does feel a little bit stiff. It feels harder getting my arm up. I've got to sort of swing my body to get yeah. my arm up. There'll be, there'll be a lot of compensation Correct. with the traps and hitching and all that. Correct. Okay. And and sometimes you'll find that um, even in, when they're sitting talking to you, their shoulder's a bit dropped as well because yeah. of the level of stiffness that's already there. For shizzle, man. Yeah. yeah. So look out for that stiffness yeah. um, component of a subjective um, with frozen shoulders. Yeah. Let's... Um I think that's a good way segue into objective exam. So how would you assess a passive range of motion on a a live human being? Good question. Okay. So um, I'll just do my normal screen to begin with. So yep. with a shoulder, I would always start with um, standing observation, yep. top off. Okay. Look what that shoulder is doing. Yep. Okay. So pretty much um, with a sho- um, frozen shoulder, you might see a bit of a frozen, sh- um, sorry, um, a shoulder drop. You'll okay? see a frozen shoulder. You'll see it, ice, like cubes, ice cubes, cubes yeah. coming on it, a bit Just of get, frosting get and everything. Get the out. <laughs> <laughs> if only it was that simple. We, yeah, yeah. we would have... Turn up the air con. <laughs> turn up the air con, unfreeze it and you're ready to go. That's what we do at Mooney Ponds. <laughs> no, um, yeah, so you'll see, you might see a fro- um, a shoulder drop or you might see that uh, shoulder um, come a little bit forward as well when you say drop do you mean it's just physically forward and correct bend so, down correct yeah, okay? okay so in comparison to the other shoulder yeah. look um and you can also compare it to around the t2 level okay sure. yeah. so t2 is usually a good guide of where a shoulder should be that's not the same with everyone mm-hmm. okay it mm-hmm. just gives you clues okay just gets you thinking okay so um something just to look for just in observational perspective when you see that in conjunction with a subjective that suggests a bit of stiffness, then mm. yeah, you're thinking, okay, this is looking a bit more like a frozen shoulder. Yeah. Then you can just test your normal AROM, okay? Flexion, yeah. induction, hand behind back, yeah. and just see how they do it, yeah. okay? Quality uh, of movement. Quality of movement. And as they're getting closer to their end range, okay, is one, is it getting harder for them to reach the end range? Are they hitching up through mm. that shoulder? Do, are they doing a pure abduction movement or are they sort of looping around in front of them? Yeah, okay, they'll, like that's a common, like an arc, okay? They'll, it's a really common one because they can't get the, enough external rotation that's to a, do yeah. pure abduction, yeah. okay? So look for those signs. Now, let's say they're able to bring it up to, let's say, 110 degrees, 120 degrees. You might notice mm. at that stage that it's restricted. Some people can be actually very subtle. Mm. They can actually get full range, okay? Mm. Let's say it's something that looks relatively normal around 140 to 155, mm. okay? But it looks like they're getting full range. But this is where the key of the frozen shoulder assessment comes in. And if you're going to take one thing away, it's this, is with a frozen shoulder, active range of motion equals passive range of motion mm, okay sure. it's it's the path in a normal human being a healthy um, human being 
passive range of motion is going to be more than an active. Sure. It yeah. should never be equal. Yeah. Okay. That's it. So let's say you've gone the person into 150 degrees flexion and you still worried about, okay, this looks like a frozen shoulder, overpress. Yeah. Okay. And if they can't go any further, yeah, look, you might be looking at a, m- more evidence towards having a frozen shoulder. Mm. You can do that with flexion. You can do that with abduction. Any range of motion, yeah. Correct. Now, let's say I've done that in standing. I'll yeah. get them supine, okay? Yeah. I'll test the same thing in um, in supine just to get rid of that gravity against the shoulder, yeah, put them into a less irritable position. I'll look at flexion. I'll look at abduction in mm-hmm. supine or passive. Mm-hmm. Then I'll look at external rotation. Yep. Now, with external rotation, assess it in zero degrees flexion yep. and then bring it more and more into abduction. Definitely, yeah. You want to see all those ranges mm-hmm. where external rotation can be restricted. External rotation can be unrestricted at 90 degrees um, ninety degrees abduction, but it can be really restricted at 20 degrees abduction yeah. sometimes. You just got to see them through the range, okay? Yep. That data that that test gives you mm. is it tells you which angles is the stiffness most predominant in yeah again going to give you treatment ideas then also test internal rotation in a, um, a similar way as well mm-hmm. um but again you're looking at an underlying loss of passive range of motion yes that's the main thing yeah, yeah. and test when you're actually taking through the that paint uh P-ROM, make sure that you're confident in yourself too because if they have lots of muscle guarding you're not going to get a true P-ROM. correct even even when even if the patient is awake you're not going to you're not ever going to get a true P-ROM. you've got to really knock them out don't physically knock them out um, but there's been studies that, sh- that the whole idea of the pseudo frozen shoulder where not necessarily someone faking it but someone who ha- presents with a frozen shoulder they get put under GA, general anesthesia, and suddenly they've got full range of motion. Yeah, correct. So this is when the debate of, okay, is this a true frozen shoulder really comes into play? Yeah. Because you can, um, sometimes when you're doing even the standing assessment, mm. you can see some muscle spasm and muscle guarding going you on. You can't fake that, eh? You can't fake that. Um, yeah. It is pretty much um, a response from the body to try and protect that shoulder yep. joint. I've seen that sort of um, muscle guarding in different situations. I've had it in a patient with peripheral sensitization. Mm. I've had it with a patient who's um, really, really weak, so she was getting a lot of guarding there, which mimicked a frozen shoulder. And because the muscle guarding um, tightens the capsule so much, it Mm. looks like it's so badly. But if you're seeing that spasming, it might be that muscular spasm mm. instead of a frozen shoulder. So you might want to query that. Yeah. That if it is, then muscular-based treatments can yep. help. Um, I, as I said, I don't have much research to um, justify this, but um, in my clinical practice, if I do see that muscle guarding, I do find that they do respond well to dry needling. Mm. Okay. Um, again, I don't have any research to back it. I trial it for some patients, and when it, if works, it works, it works. I do it because it's and we've been able to get some phenomenal results because of it. And yeah, if it works, it works. If a win's a win, man. A win's <laughs> a win. Which we, we trial stuff, and it, and if it works, you just got to give it a go. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that muscle guarding is a, quite a very um, special thing that we do see with and uh, this cohort of patients. So, yeah. um. Keep an eye out for it. If you do see it, it may be really responsive to muscular-based treatment, yeah. which is a whole different treatment methodology than That's what right. you do to a normal frozen shoulder. Yep, 100%. Um, and yeah, when you do test it, just make sure that you, you have the patient's 
um, trust. That's why building a therapeutic alliance with these type of patients is essential because if they don't trust you, they can't fully relax. Correct. And it also comes down to your handling skills. Okay, yes, so, Handling is a big one. Correct. So if it's an angry shoulder and you're moving it back and forth like flaring it flaying it around like an elephant trunk okay it's not going they're not then they're, they're not going to appreciate you you have to have respect for a person's body when you move yeah. it okay this applies to the rest of the body as well That's, so yeah. so um, whether you're moving a knee or whatever be gentle with it okay mm. bring it into flexion bring it um, into abduction with good manual handling skills make yeah. sure that the limb is nice and locked in supported eh? is a Correct. big one hey? supported yeah. so they feel comfortable it also conveys a lot of professionalism on your part yes. because they can see, oh, this guy really knows how to handle the limb of the body. Yeah. Okay? They actually do notice that. And they're like, for sure. This person, even without even you saying anything, they can tell, all right, this guy, this guy or girl's done it a million times before. I can see how precise they are with yep, their assessment. Yeah, 100%. And they feel it. Correct. You're literally moving their arm. Like, of course they can feel it. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a really, really um, good point you make. So be nice and gentle with it. Yeah. Okay good handling skills and good handling skills is not something that you need to be a career physio of 20 years to have just know based on basic physics yeah. okay how is it going to be the easiest to lift a guy uh, a person's hand a hand uh, arm up mm. from a supine position okay you might yeah. want to lock it into your body okay sure. you might want to put one arm underneath yep. other arm under the shoulder to stabilize the scalp yep. just think about it that's it just takes a little, couple of extra seconds of thought yep. do it and you probably will notice that your handling skills are a lot better. And yeah. no one's needed to tell you anything. You just thought about it a little yeah. bit more deeply. Yeah. I've okay. got two things to say about that. One thing is a, a clinical gym, if you like. I like to hold the patient, like bro, shake their hand. Mm -hmm. So get them to lock in my hand. And then my other arm, my other hand scoops under their triceps. And so then, and this is them in supine. And so I've supported the elbow. I've got their hand. I'm using my hips to guide the movement. Mm -hmm. And I, I've, I've got a pretty thick dumpy truck. So I, I got a bit of motion behind that lotion. So I, <laughs> I can get them moving pretty easily. And I, and I talk to them while I do it. Yeah. Talk to them. Don't just like freaking shake and, and just keep the conversation flowing. Um, you know, how's this feel? And, and keep talking to me, blah, blah, blah. The other thing I was going to mention as well, Totally forgot. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, but on, uh, on that as well, yeah. um, if you're short, sm a small, petite, whatever, mm. bed height, okay? Make sure around, yeah. um, especially when you're doing these shoulder assessments that you're keeping it around uh, hip, to, I'd say around belly button height, yep. okay? It's really, really good. Saves your back as well. Saves, Saves your, your back. shoulders and back, yeah. Correct. Um, and uh, yeah, just really lock in with, um, with both arms, definitely. Mm. No, um, it does go a long way in helping assess these shoulders, yeah. All right, man. Let's talk about treatment. Treatment, great. Let's do it. Well, let's just get the the two kind of um, more popular treatments out out the way first. So, mm -hmm. hydrodilatation. Yep. And cortisone. Yeah. PRP. Are all those injections that do you see a lot of that in your clinic? Because um, obviously you work with GPs. So not as much cortisone. Um, in the UK, they do a dual cortisone injection i think into a the dual, like two two okay. okay one into the glenohumeral joint and one into the subacromial space sure i think when they're doing the hydro um dilatation um but pretty much um they get some good results with that yeah um however here in australia i don't think they do it as much and nor have i received a patient that does mm. that um i do see people after 
um, a hydrodilatation. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, they do come back with usually good better uh, range, better range. Okay, and it's a good opportunity to really hot camera it with some good manual therapy That's and WMs. Yeah, and um, um, stretches. Yeah, yeah. We always say, the moment you get that done, literally be at the clinic next day. Don't, when, yeah, because the uh, usual advice is don't do anything for a week. Nah, boo boo, get into the physio. Get into the physio. Get. Oh, we just go a hundred, like balls to walls. Let's go. Like we just go hock hammer at it. Like obviously, <laughs> within reason. <laughs> within reason. <laughs> We're getting carried like, away here. Like, like, like keep things as without um, as pain free as possible. Yeah. But you really want to get that um, capsule mobile, okay? Because mm. the hydro. Um, Dilatation is what allows you to it do that. It literally stretches the capsule. Correct. And sometimes you can even hear a pop. Correct. And so audibly, the patient hears a pop and it's like, ooh, yeah. something's gone. So, because they've been dealing with such a stiff shoulder for a long time. Hearing that pop can actually help them. Yeah, exactly. With their exercises it's, and compliance. It's, it's it's mixed perspectives from patients about mm. um, the hydrodilatation in the sense that like, they say, oh, well, some will say it's painful, some will say it's not. Some will yeah. say it's intimidating, some will say it's not. Yeah. You just get whatever, whatever you get through the door, you get through the door. But I think it's really, really important to understand, okay, um, their perspective on it, is it um, something that they didn't enjoy? Because sometimes people do need two or three hydrodilatations, especially wow. if they're a diabetic or so. Sure, yeah. So um, sometimes the first procedure doesn't help. Yeah. So their perspective on if it's successful or not successful is going to mm. have a uh, big part to do with it. And you're going to have a big part to do with it as well because yeah. your treatment has to do with the success as well because you're the one who's meant to be advising for mobilization and all mm. that. Mm. So, yeah, definitely so. Okay. Yeah, I also think with um, with frozen shoulder patients, especially if this is your first consult, what patients want to know are three things. What has caused this? What is the seriousness of this condition and what is the likely outcome? You can't always give them an an answer when it comes to the cause, but as we talked about before, there are lots of risk factors that may have contributed to frozen shoulder, but definitely with the outcome, they just want to know, because with all the natural history of frozen shoulder, it, it can take anywhere between a couple months to a couple years. Yeah. So really, you have to give them that timeline of it could take this long or it could take that long. But in the meantime, I want you to be working with physio and there's lots of things we can be doing right now to help you. Correct. So um, with a with timelines, timelines are really important, especially because mm. you don't want to give um, unrealistic expectations. Mm. So for a non-diabetic frozen shoulder, I'll usually say anywhere between 12 to 24 months. Okay. Yep. If we get there before, then great. Okay. Yeah, you're a miracle worker if, you're, if that's the case. Yeah, but um, that's as uh, that's usually stock standard of how long it'll take in like twelve to twenty clinic months. population. Yeah, um, some people can last three three to five years mm-hmm. um, for um, even the non-diabetics. For the non-diabetics, it, it, it is a hard one to tell them. Look, this could take. Um, this could respond to physio there's not a lot of evidence to show that but yeah. we try anyway yeah uh, but some people can live with it for five to ten years yeah that's it yeah. that's uh, that's the honest um truth of the situation is that diabetic population does get poor outcomes with frozen shoulder it's unfortunate but this is what we know from now so we can't we can't hide them from the truth correct we have to be honest with them and i think having us as physios or allied health in general if we can be there to support them and to give them that information, 
that already helps them a lot. Correct. And you can always hold out for hope as well in the sense that people can have variability. Okay. So you can have an outlier that does respond really well. Okay. And you can still trial the treatment. And if it's effective, as I said, N equals one, let's give it a go. Okay. Like um, you can say, let's do some exercise therapy. Okay. It's pain-free. It helps you improve your symptoms in the short term. Let's see if we can keep that consistent for a block of six to nine months okay, yeah. and see if that can help. Okay, yeah. And you might surprise yourself. You might be able to get some uh, meaningful improvement for these people, even despite a d- d- dire prognosis. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. And one thing that you can consider is formulating a leaflet or a piece of paper with all the relevant information so that because there's a lot of information to take in if it's all just me talking to you you only you only remember five percent of what you've been told anyway yeah so if you have a leaflet to to hand to someone they can go home they can marinate on it and on that leaflet you can design anything that you want i would say make a make a custom leaflet for yourselves um there is a lot of leaflets out there with different information make one tailored for your clinic uh, yep. For some people who use PhysiTrack, there is a um, PhysiTrack educational video and um, leaflet that you can send. Perfect. You can put um, le- your own leaflets on PhysiTrack as well. And yeah, send them. So for sure. You can always do that. Um, if you have a good resource, you can use that too. Yeah. Because it is a difficult condition to show the full scope of um in in an education session sure um so having a video or leaflet they can come back to can help consolidate that information back to them yeah absolutely now nads do you have any go-to exercises that you like doing for these population so with the exercises so um i think it's also good um to talk about when it's good to do so so i go off and Jeremy Lewis's paper, I yep. think it was his 2014 one about um, frozen shoulder yep. um, etiology and um, how to treat it. Okay, mm. so with the exercises, um, you can start them as long as pain permits. Yep. Okay, if it's too painful, don't do it. Settle okay, it down first. settle it down first. Appropriate analgesia from yep. a doctor can help. Yep. Um, some people, if they're raging, um, frozen shoulder can't get any sleep they may benefit from a cortisone injection as well yeah to yeah. help um settle that sh- um, shoulder down for sure depends who you got but once that pain settled down and it's sort of um in that frozen stiff phase then uh-huh. it's really good to do some passive um um active um assisted um, yeah i love pulleys pulleys on really the door good. yeah correct pulleys on the door are really good and i think we um, discussed this as well is giving exercises that people can do um, on a regular basis yeah. okay so if you can hit it hard um, it's um, in that stiffness phase every couple of hours or so with some shoulder exercises For sure, yeah. we can get some good outcomes so a good exercise that we give people is um, flexion abduction using a stick okay mm-hmm. um, they can do that sitting down they can do that standing love that um, one they, yeah. um, they can um, let's say they're an office worker you can tailor your exercises so they can do it in the office for example and um, they can do an external rotation stretch okay yeah, yeah. Um, in around 20 degrees abduct abduction zero degrees abduction by pressing their arm against their desk yeah so that's all something that can be um provided that's really patient specific because yep. they can do it w- with their occupation yeah you got to keep it simple with keep these simple. population hey correct so if you give chuck 10 exercises you, you're gonna lose them because yeah. the thing is they got to do this for on a consistent basis uh regularly and 
for some people months or months on end yeah so you want to make it something that's realistic and achievable for them to actually do um i always say um with my bare basics i will look at um in their assessment what they're most restricted in and provide the most important exercises for them to focus on Mm -hmm. okay i can give more than that and i will for the right patient but if they're that time constrained person if external rotation is the one that they're most restricted in i'm not going to worry about no. uh, mobile uh, giving the exercises to improve flexion if yep. flexion's okay let's focus on external yep. rotation go for where you're going to get your bang for your bunk, buck where's the most important impairment which direction are they most um um restricted in Mm. what is their meaningful movement that they're trying to get back to and work on that okay for Mm. some ladies literally putting their arm behind their back to improve their um to pretty much get around to their bra strap okay so be able to actually provide exercises to help them get to that yeah in the meantime obviously they um bring it around to do it through the front that's how i do it correct for me anyway yeah Yeah. exactly but um (laughs) that's that's uh that's something that they'll eventually want to get back to some normality. Yeah, meaning, as we talked about in the last episode, or this episode, I can't remember, but find out what's meaningful to them. Yeah, exactly. There's no point telling them what their meaningful activity is. We don't know. Correct. So, yeah, yeah. like, um, for example, let's say, um, yeah, they really want to get their hand behind their back better, but um, for some reason, you're just giving abduction exercises, <laughs> like, like, and they're not doing anything in abduction because they're a desk worker and just need to put, put, you know, put their bra strap on at the back. Mm. Like, you're wasting their time. Yeah, you're wasting the time. You're wasting sure. your their time. You're wasting your time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so just give the exercises that are most meaningful for them. Um, if abduction comes back, let it come back um, um, later down the track. But the, your priority is what their goal is. That's right. Okay, man. not what your goal is. <laughs> man, that's a great. That, I think that's a good place to to conclude this episode. Um, I think we touched on most things. Obviously, not to touch on everything, but. That we'll have to save that for future episodes, man. Yeah, uh, bare, bare basics. So we it keeps it simple. Um, so the main things to take away: look at passive range, look for signs of stiffness, um, exercise it, mobilize it. You have hydrodistension, yeah, um, dilatation. Sorry, as a um, treatment option. Yeah. Um, and as long as you know that, yeah, you just mold what we've told yeah. to your patient. That's Explain all. stuff to them, and um, yeah, happy, happy. That's it. <laughs> and then it. they're fixed <laughs> and then they're fixed that's right <laughs> um so dear listeners thank you so much for making it to the end of the episode you guys are absolute champs if if that's you um just want to say massive thank you to everyone who's yeah been listening to this podcast since day dot i re- it really means a lot to me every time i get a message on my instagram the flexing physio instagram it really just makes me happy because this is the point of these um episodes this podcast is to help you feel more confident while providing a bit of um bit of banter just a bit of fun into our profession as well i feel like quite often physiotherapy can be so serious and it's like dude chill out you know just have some fun smile and you know i think that will make everyone's days better now nads before we end this episode if you could spend one night in a completely different country other than australia and sri lanka (laughs) where would you go man Uh, i think i am overdue definitely for an america trip Ooh, America. Why is that? I don't know. Um, you always watch videos and movies from there. I actually um, have barely been. Okay. Never been. You've been nearly, <laughs> never been. Okay. Never been. Yeah. Never been. Okay. Um, so, 
I think it's long overdue. So okay. I think I definitely America trip. Any particular state in America? We've got to do New York. New York. <laughs> Get the we New York do pizza. Gotta, definitely so. Yeah, um, had a lot of patients tell me good things. So definitely want to do that. Um, so yeah, America will be good. Well, they say Melbourne is similar to New York. It's, they say that Melbourne is Australia's version of New York. Oh, really? Yeah. It looks like I just want to stay home then. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe just a trip to CBD and uh, we'll exactly. call it even. <laughs> uh, I reckon we'll do, uh, I'll be happy with that budget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, for me, definitely Korea or Japan. There we go. Because I'm, pers- I'm from Taiwan. Mm-hmm. I've never been to any other Asian country really yeah so i'd love to spend a night let's just go korea because i love korean food man of course yeah korean like the bibimbap kimchi all that good stuff have you had gammy chicken no i haven't Alrighty, that's what we're gonna have oh then it's all sorted then we're <laughs> we'll gonna do that let Korea know and off we go uh, let's do it that's i've heard of good, good things about gammy chicken yeah exactly so i think yeah that's actually what we're doing Perfect. Sounds good. It's 5.30 now, so I think it's dinner time. Let's do it. (laughs) Awesome. Perfect. All right. Thanks, listeners, and be sure to catch you in the next episode.